Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Ward. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Lisa Charbonneau, Encompass Health's Chief Medical Officer. Many of you know of Encompass Health, which is a national organization that performs both home health, hospice, and inpatient rehabilitation across the country, as well as in Puerto Rico. In today's episode, Dr. Charbonneau stresses the difference between a traditional acute care hospital, a SNF or skilled nursing facility, and inpatient rehabilitation or EARTH as Encompass Health calls their inpatient rehabilitation facilities and so does CMS. In today's episode, we learn about Dr. Charbonneau's 29 plus years and what's kept her there at Encompass, what's different about Encompass and her love for animals. Little did I know she actually wanted to be a doctor growing up, which she is today, but a different kind of doctor, a veterinarian. And she'll share that story with you as well and her passion for rescuing animals. Thanks so much, folks. Enjoy the show. And of course, if you want to check out other episodes of Pop of Podcast, visit us at our website, popofpodcast.com, our YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your shows. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Well, Dr. Charbonneau, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So we're in opposite corners of the United States. Uh, you are in Maine and I'm in Southern California. We'll get to know you a little bit and how you uh, ended up where you are today. Uh, we like to kick off the show, not so much talking about healthcare specifically, but getting to know the guest. So Dr. Charbonneau, can you tell us something about yourself that might surprise the audience, maybe something outside of healthcare? Well, uh, one thing is that I am a big dog lover and I actually am a certified foster for a couple of um, rescue agencies in Maine. And I uh, recently, a few months ago, rescued um, a dog that had been orphaned by his family and very traumatized. And uh, we fostered him and fell in love with him and decided to keep him. And so He's become um, an integral member of the family and he's he's really improved so much. And it's just really uh, fun to see what some love and security can do for an animal that's really scared and traumatized. So that's been really fun. Awesome. That's really neat. And well, so you uh, you take care of people, but you also take care of animals. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, doing a little homework ahead of time. Uh, looks like you spent most of your life on the East Coast. Is that where you were born and raised? Yeah, so I am an East Coast girl. I grew up in New York City in Queens, one of the boroughs of the city. And I went to school uh, in upstate New York. I went to Cornell. I went to Buffalo and did my medical school training at the New York Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine. And then I went to Philadelphia for a residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation. And then I moved to Maine uh, out of residency. We uh, came up here, kind of fell in love with the beautiful state of Maine and uh, didn't really realize that, that would this would happen, but we've been here ever since, raised our kids here in, in Maine and the coast, and uh, we just love it. Okay, so quick question for you. With all those New York connections, I did see something about the Red Sox 
that you either posted or commented on recently. Are you able to, to comment on that? Well, actually, I'm a big Yankees fan, so don't get me in trouble with my big brother, who is a diehard Yankees fan. So we do live in uh, Maine is very much a Red Sox nation state. And I think what you might have seen was a reference to Red Sox nation for uh, some job openings that we're having in our Massachusetts hospital. So uh, uh, still a diehard Yankees fan after all these years. Otherwise, my, my brother would disown me, I think so. <laughs> awesome. So you told us a little bit about, you know, your med school and uh, your residency. At what point as you were growing up, were you inspired to have a career in healthcare? Well, that's really a very interesting question because initially when I was growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian and uh, actually went to Cornell thinking that I would apply to vet school. But uh, a few barriers uh, got in the way. One is I'm very allergic to cats. And uh, I realized that that was probably not going to work out for me. So then I got um, interested in medicine. Actually, my father got very sick while I was in college. And uh, just going through his experience, he had um, malignant brain cancer. And going through his experience with his treatment and his rehabilitation, everything, that really got me interested in medicine and specifically in neurological um, diseases. And that's uh, kind of how I got interested. I um, I was interested in public health and got a master's in epidemiology and then applied to medical school and, uh, and returned back to New York so I could go to school after my father passed away. And that's, um, that's how I got interested in it. And then I, during my training, did some electives in rehabilitation and just fell in love with the specialty, basically. So the term rehabilitation is one that's often thrown around and has different meanings. For purposes of Encompass Health, and we'll get to know Encompass here in a little bit, what does rehabilitation mean to you in today's uh, you know, job for you or for Encompass? Yeah, so you know, I know it, it's confusing for people um, unless you've had some experience or a family member go through uh, what we call medical rehabilitation. So this is not rehab that's associated with drug addiction or other things like that. That this uh, field is specializing in taking care of patients who've had some type of catastrophic injury or illness that has resulted in some functional impairment. So. They need rehabilitation in order to maximize how they function in their day-to-day -day lives. And that's the kind of rehabilitation that we provide through our um, almost 245 uh, rehabilitation hospitals and, um, excuse me, 145 and 250 home health agencies and hospice uh, uh, organizations. So, we provide that level of rehabilitation for people that are significantly impaired to the point where they can't go home right away following a stroke or a brain injury or an amputation or some, some other uh, very significant medical event. So you, you touched there on some of Encompass Health's uh, size. Can you give us a little bit of background of Encompass Health? I know it used to be called Health South, for example. So maybe if you wouldn't mind going back a little bit into history and share about maybe how the name change came about and who Health South was. Sure. Sure. 
So, um, yeah, so historically, the company was called Health South, and we acquired Encompass Home Health and Hospice um, as a separate company in about 2015. And in 2018, um, we did some market research and uh, looked at uh, brand recognition and things like that. And after a lot of um, sending out surveys and working with an external vendor, we decided to change our name to Encompass Health Corporation. So that now uh, encompasses both our Encompass Home Health and Hospice side of the company and our inpatient rehabilitation hospital side of the company all under one umbrella. Okay. Got it. And you are the chief medical officer of Strictly, the inpatient rehab uh, side, correct? I actually am uh, the chief medical officer for the company. So there oh, I'm is, sorry. I'm no, sorry. That's okay. Yeah. There is no uh, chief medical officer for the home health and hospice segment. Uh, but I primarily work with, although I collaborate with the home health and hospice segment, primarily I'm overseeing the um, clinical quality for the inpatient rehab side of the business. Okay, great. And again, uh, I should have I should have known that. So, as the CMO or Chief Medical Officer, what are some of your responsibilities? Um, I know from a high level, you're the you know the leader, uh, but can you kind of give us a, a little more detail on what you do? Sure. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of background. I was practicing in Portland, Maine, at one of our hospitals for many years, and I was medical director there. Um, for about 14 years. And in and I always thought I would retire from that job because I loved it so much. But in 2015, late 2014, I was approached by the company to start a division that was totally um, geared towards physician education and uh, particularly in the area of documentation. Um, and so we started um, a department called Medical Services and I traveled around the country, was doing a lot of education with the physicians that practice in our hospitals. And then at that time, our chief medical officer decided to retire. And I was asked to step into that role in 2015. So it's been just about six years uh, this month, uh, last month, that I uh, took over as CMO. And that um, entails overseeing our clinical excellence department, which is our quality improvement department. So we have national clinical leaders in the area of nursing, uh, pharmacy, therapy, case management, quality, and um, they report to me. So the way that the company is organized, we have eight regions um, throughout the country. And each region has a leadership group of clinicians. And uh, the national clinical leaders work with those regional leaders. And our goal really is to support our hospitals in whatever way we can. So providing uh, support for different quality improvement initiatives is basically what we oversee and collaborating with different departments in the company, uh, like compliance and legal and um, and other departments to make sure that we are providing our physicians and our hospitals with what whatever they need to be successful and pr produce the best clinical outcomes for our patients. 
And then uh, that medical services department that I started is still going strong and has expanded. And we provide a lot of education and support for physicians in terms of clinical education and also education in uh, terms of using our electronic health record, which is a Cerner product. So we've partnered with Cerner uh, throughout these many years to um, to come up with a, an electronic health record that really is specific to rehabilitation and can best support our clinicians practicing in our hospitals. Okay, awesome. It's interesting that you mentioned Cerner. Um, the upcoming uh, president or, or CEO at Cerner is David Feinberg. So he was the VP of Google Health and now he's gonna be the new leader over at Cerner. I literally reached out to Cerner this morning, um, Dr. Feinberg at Cerner was one of the most downloaded guests of all time in our show. And we're doing an event this fall, um, a pop health podcast, all stars. So little shout out, little uh, plug for Cerner there. Um, and it's funny timing. So inpatient rehabilitation hospitals, you know, my day job is in the in home care and I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. And still to this day, you know, the differences between a traditional acute care hospital and inpatient rehab criteria for admission, why folks would go there instead of a sniff. Like I, I'm considered, you know, in, in the industry and it's still challenging for me to know all the rules. Could you maybe in layman's terms explain why someone would go to a, an, an Encompass Health inpatient rehab versus a traditional hospital or a skilled nursing facility? Absolutely. So uh, we have certain criteria for admitting patients to an inpatient rehab hospital or an inpatient rehab facility or an ERF, as CMS calls us. And uh, basically uh, what that entails is since we provide a higher level of more intense therapy services, but also a higher level of more intense medical oversight, um, patients who are uh, uh, usually sicker to the point where they need our intensive services are the patients that are appropriate to come to inpatient rehab. So they need to be able, we need to be able to demonstrate that they require that multidisciplinary team approach to rehabilitation, which includes physical therapy, occupational therapy, and often speech therapy, and that they also have enough um, going on medically that they really require the services of close medical supervision. So in, uh, in our hospitals, we have a requirement from CMS that patients see a rehabilitation physician, a physician who has training and experience in rehabilitation at least three times a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, often our patients are seen more than that, um, but that's the minimum requirement. And then that uh, they also have, uh, in many cases, other physicians who need to assist in taking care of them because of their acuity level. So we have hospitalists, internists, we may have nephrologists because we have patients who are on dialysis or uh, other um, types of specialists who are actually seeing the patients in the rehab hospital. So it's a very busy hospital environment. It's very different than uh, a nursing home or a long-term care facility because of that. And the average length of stay for patients in an inpatient rehab hospital is just about two weeks. Okay. So uh, patients who, for example, if someone's had a, a stroke 
and they're significantly impaired and need uh, that close uh, medical oversight. The American Stroke Association and the American Heart Association actually now recommend that patients who require rehab after a stroke receive those services in an inpatient rehabilitation um, facility because their long-term outcomes are better. So, um, and we see that with other um, types of diagnoses as well. So these are patients who really require that higher uh, intensity of care. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So for those of our listeners, most of which are healthcare professionals, if they're across the country, there's probably a good chance many of them have interacted or been to one of your uh, facilities or interacted with your post-acute care services. Are all of your uh, ERFs, uh, does it have Encompass in the name or could they be under a different name, for example? Actually, they don't necessarily have Encompass Health in the name. So um, because we partner with a lot of hospitals and we have uh, joint venture partnerships with some hospitals that may have a different name. So for example, my hospital that I practiced in for 23 years is called New England Rehabilitation Hospital of Portland. And people um, never really associated us with HealthSouth or uh, Encompass Health, although there's a little tagline on the bottom that says a joint venture with Maine Medical Center and Encompass Health because it just got known in the area um, as New England Rehab Hospital. And uh, another example would be um, uh, we have a partnership with Vanderbilt University and the hospital there is actually called Stallworth Rehabilitation Hospital. So there may be other names that people may not realize that um, they're part of the Encompass Health family, um, but they may have a different name just depending on our partnership or uh, if they were taken over and already had a well-established name in that market. Yeah, it makes sense. I, uh, I've, I think I've experienced both. I was in Mesa, Arizona and doing some work uh, with BPCI. Bipsy? Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bundled, bundled payment um, incentive program, I believe. Yes. So that uh, earth did have Encompass in the name. And then I've also worked in Southern California with what we called or call Tustin Rehabilitation Hospital, uh, which I believe also is part of Encompass Health. So two, two examples that kind of go along with what you just shared. So you've you've been at Health South, Health South slash Encompass Health for a long time. I mean, you are truly, uh, you've built a legacy there. So what has kept you there for so long? Well, I'll tell you, um, I started at our hospital in Portland, Maine, at a residency before it was even part of HealthSouth. What, so I finished my residency at Temple University Moss Rehab um, in 1992. And um, at that time, the hospital was owned by Advantage Health, a company that no longer exists. And so, uh, you know, I started working at this hospital and eventually it was bought by HealthSouth, which um, then, as you know, changed its name to Encompass Health. And I just, um, and I did other things too during those many years. I worked in an orthopedic practice for, um, in a spine center with outpatients. I worked for an insurance company. But what really um, I feel passionate about is the rehabilitation of patients who've had some kind of 
uh, significant injury or illness. So when you see someone uh, improve from not being able to take care of themselves, not being able to walk or attend to their self-care needs and progress through a rehabilitation program to the point where they can go home with their family and function at uh, a much higher level than they ever would have um, anticipated and sometimes even uh, almost independently. It's just such a gratifying, uh, fulfilling um, experience and just really so meaningful. And I, and I just um, felt passionate and still feel very passionate about the miracles that we see in our hospitals every day. Yeah, I like how you said the miracles that, that we see in your hospitals every day. So you've been there. 20, I believe it would be 29 years. 29. Yeah. 29 years. You've been there 29 years. And we always like to wrap up our show or, or towards the end of our episodes with storytelling. And um, I want to ask you, could you share briefly about, you know, in your 29 years, what's, a, what's something that stands out as one of the most challenging times and how were you able to overcome it? Well, I have to say, hands down, the COVID pandemic has been the most challenging um, experience that I've ever had in my career or even that I could have imagined experiencing in my career, even with, as I mentioned, my uh, very minimal background um, in epidemiology. So, um, I, you know, and obviously it's still ongoing, but we're not... Um, in the crisis mode that we were uh, in early uh, 2020. But how we really have dealt with this and, and what I've uh, appreciated, I think, the most is our teamwork. And um, one of our um, company mottos is stronger together. And uh, what we've seen during this pandemic is how our clinicians and leadership in our hospitals um, as supported by our, uh, our regional leaders and our national leaders at the home office have really worked together to get through this horrific pandemic as, as best as we can and to weather uh, challenges that we never anticipated, never even dreamt that we would have to um, deal with in our careers and uh, doing our, our part to help our colleagues on the acute hospital side with taking care of patients that, uh, that require rehabilitation uh, from this you know, terrible disease, as well as helping to alleviate the strain on our acute care hospital colleagues by uh, opening our doors and, and taking care of as many patients as we possibly could to offload them when they were really, uh, you know, overflowing with, with patients. And we had formed uh, a COVID task force to help deal with uh, questions that came up. And we've just been at it, you know, um, 365 days a year since this pandemic started. We were very fortunate that we had already done some great work um, with infection control and teaching our hospitals better ways to manage infection control. Um, this is a project that we uh, did a few years ago and it put us in a really good position 
to use those concepts that we taught our hospitals and emphasize with our hospitals years ago when we had to deal with this pandemic in terms of understanding how things are uh, uh, transmitted from patients to patient or staff to patient. So it's been uh, just something that we uh, have done very, very well with. And I'm, I'm very, very, very proud and uh, grateful for the great leadership and the great work of our clinicians across the country. Well said. I had a feeling, especially when you said uh, epidemiology at the beginning, and I was going to ask this question at the end, that there might be a, a pandemic-related answer. So um, really appreciate your time today, Dr. Charbonneau. If folks want to learn more about Encompass Health or see if there's uh, you know services available to them in their area, what's the best way to do that? You can just Google Encompass Health um, inpatient rehabilitation and go to EncompassHealth.com and look for something in your area. We have uh, as I mentioned, we're in 42 states and Puerto Rico, we have 143 hospitals just recently opened three new beautiful freestanding inpatient rehab hospitals. And I'll just, uh, I don't want to forget to mention that all of our hospitals have state of the art uh, technology and equipment. And we have many of our hospitals uh, have joint venture specialty certification in stroke and other diseases. So if you or a loved one or someone that you know um, is in search of a good rehabilitation provider, please look us up. And uh, I think our outcomes speak for themselves. And I'm, I'm just thrilled and, and very, very proud of all that we do every day. Well said. And regarding the technology, I've personally been to an open house that year. I mentioned the Mesa uh, location uh, that I've worked with, and I've seen some pretty neat uh, investments that Encompass Health has made. And I definitely would feel comfortable with my own family there. So I definitely agree. And folks, again, um, we've had Dr. Lisa Charbonneau as our guest, who's the CMO, not just over the inpatient side, but over all of Encompass Health and serving for 29 years. And also, I want to give you an opportunity for another quick shout out for your other passion, which is animals. If people are interested in fostering, is there a website or organization you'd recommend they check out? Oh, yeah. So there are so many rescue organizations. And during the pandemic, um, as you can imagine, a lot of the shelters, especially in the South, were overflowing. And what our rescue organizations do is try and take uh, animals who are in high kill shelters where they just have to unfortunately euthanize uh, animals because they they just have too many. And we transport them up to um, the Northeast. In fact, during the pandemic, there was a puppy shortage in New England. And uh, two organizations that I've worked with uh, here in Maine are Old Dogs New Digs uh, and uh, Almost Home Rescue. And if you just go on petfinders.com, uh, you can look and find a friend that will give you much love, unconditional love and affection. So I highly recommend it. Well said. I uh, was one of those people who uh, finally got my wife to agree to puppies during the pandemic. So wonderful. Uh, yeah, big believer that that name, Old Dogs, New Digs, is fantastic. So, uh, again, Dr. Charbonneau, thanks so much for being our guest today. I also want to thank Danielle Hall over at Encompass Health, who's helped put this together. Um, folks, thanks so much for joining today's show. Thanks again, Dr. Charbonneau. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.